Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Wednesday, May 12th. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The crisis in the Middle East escalating. Dozens now dead as fighting intensifies between Israeli forces and Hamas. The UN warning of the worsening conflict. Liz Cheney, one of the most senior Republican critics of former President Donald Trump, ousted from power on Capitol Hill as she criticizes Trump's debunked allegations of fraud surrounding the 2020 election. And as officials report a growing number of coronavirus infections in children, adolescents receiving their first vaccinations in some states. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the intensifying crisis in the Middle East. Israel and Hamas engaged their worst fighting since the 2014 war, leaving dozens dead and scores wounded. Hamas firing hundreds of rockets deep into Israel and Israel responding with deadly airstrikes in Gaza. Swarm of rockets fired from Gaza raining down on Israel. Israel's Iron Dome defense system intercepting many, those explosions lighting up the night sky. The Iron Dome system has been delivering and has saved countless Israeli lives. But at the end of the day, the rocket fire that we saw towards central Israel, towards Tel Aviv, and really the heart of Israel, is of course totally unacceptable. Sirens sounding, residents scrambling for cover in central Israel, home to nearly half of the country's population. Some rockets making it through, obliterating homes and buildings. A direct strike here in the city of Lishon Metzion. The impact and the damage was caused to all the houses and vehicles in the area. One woman was killed inside the house behind me. This bus was hit by a rocket from Gaza. At least seven people were injured there, including a five-year-old girl. The Israeli military saying about 1,000 rockets have been launched towards Israel over the past 48 hours, the most in years. We are planning and conducting operations to make Hamas pay the price for their aggression against Israel. Palestinian officials reporting at least 43 people killed. Ten of them are children. Meanwhile, Hamas announcing it has launched a total of 130 rockets, its most intense strike so far. Now violence is also erupting in several mixed Arab Jewish towns inside Israel proper. Over 200 protesters wounded in clashes there with Israeli police. They are largely protesting Israel's treatment of the Palestinians. The Israeli military says it has killed several senior Hamas militant commanders in airstrikes in Gaza and Khan Yunis. The Arab League has condemned the deadly Israeli airstrikes on the Gaza Strip and called on the international community to move urgently to stop escalating violence. Meanwhile, Germany is standing by Israel. And now to the aftermath of this week's cyber attack against a key fuel pipeline. Many Americans are paying more to fill up their vehicles. That's if they can find a gas station that has fuel. As Grecia Lastra reports, those shortages are also impacting air travel. The latest problem caused by the Colonial Pipeline hack is panic at the pump, with lines at some gas stations getting longer. The 5,500-mile pipeline supplies about 45% of all fuel used on the East Coast. Yeah, it looks like they just ran out. They charged me 11 cents. 
even though experts say the rush is not necessary for now. The White House insists there are no widespread fuel shortages, but that has not stopped people from buying gas fast. Oil analysts tell CNN that it will lead to more than a thousand stations running out of gas soon, with the biggest impacts in Georgia and Tennessee. On Monday, demand jumped 40 percent in five states from Florida to Virginia. It is a very serious problem right now. 84-year-old Bill Holtzman has spent his entire career distributing gas to stations in Virginia. But with the Colonial Pipeline mostly offline, Holtzman's trucks are scrambling to fill up elsewhere. Holtzman says this colonial terminal in Fairfax, Virginia, is now dry. Our goal is to not have any stations out of gasoline. And um, unfortunately, that's probably going to happen, and that really bothers me. AAA says the price of a gallon of gas has shot up more than seven cents in the last week. The new national average now more than $2.98, the highest in six years. Oil analyst Tom Closa says with some stations now selling four times the norm, the national average will soon top $3. When everybody scrambles, it's like everyone scrambling to go through a revolving door. You have problems, and we're seeing that behavior right now. It has spread like wildfire. It is a new damper on what the travel industry hoped would be the start of a rebound beyond road trips. In Atlanta, the world's second busiest airport says it is looking for additional fuel suppliers. American Airlines is even adding stops to a few of its longer flights, unable to top off all the way. Even still, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is calling this a supply crunch rather than a gas shortage. There um, was no cause for, say, hoarding toilet paper at the beginning of the pandemic. There should be no cause for hoarding gasoline. This is Grecia Lasta reporting for U News. And in the month of April, inflation accelerated at its fastest pace in more than 12 years as the U.S. economic recovery kicked into gear and energy prices jumped higher. The Labor Department reported today that the Consumer Price Index, which tracks the cost of a variety of consumer goods as well as housing and energy prices, has risen 4.2 percent from a year ago. It's the largest yearly increase since September 2008. And President Biden will host his first meeting at the White House with the big four congressional leaders Thursday morning. For the Republicans, it's Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. On the Democratic side, that means Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The White House has billed the meeting as a chance to find common ground on the nation's most pressing issues. And back on Capitol Hill, House Republicans voted quickly this morning to remove Liz Cheney as their third-ranking leader over her repeated criticism of former President Donald Trump. Edwin Piti joins us from Washington, D.C. with more on this. Edwin. Andrea, just minutes after the vote, Representative Liz Cheney called her decision to publicly fight President Trump a matter of principle, warning that allowing Trump to falsely claim the election was stolen is a direct attack on democracy that will only destroy GOP values. After the early vote today, Cheney was ousted from her leadership position in the House. However, she remains a member of Congress representing Wyoming until the 2022 midterm elections. In her strong statement, Cheney said that the GOP cannot both embrace the big lie and also embrace the Constitution. Take a listen. 
I think that uh, it is uh, an indication of where the Republican Party is, uh, and I think that the party uh, is in a place that we've got to bring it back from, and we've got to get back to a position where uh, we are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward uh, by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. Her colleagues, including House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, said that her fight with the former president had become a distraction and that she should not serve in a leadership position where the job is to unify the party. But the daughter of former Vice President Dick Cheney said her fight will continue. I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution. Uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. Last night in her parting remarks, Shane urged Republicans not to, quote, let the former president drag us backwards, but she was greeted with boos and Republicans left the floor before she continued. President Trump responded to the decision by saying that Lee Cheney is a bitter, horrible human being. The statement continues saying that she has no personality or anything good having to do with politics and that she is a talking point for Democrats. Reporting live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you. Thank you, Edwin, for bringing us those developments. And for more analysis on this story, let's go to Luis Alvarado. He's a Republican strategist in California. Luis, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me. So, Luis, what's your reaction to Liz Cheney's ouster from her leadership post? Well, if there was any question if Donald Trump was still in charge of the Republican Party, it was just answered. Because... Surprisingly, Liz Cheney actually had voted with President Trump over 80% of the time, and the person that is being um, put forward to replace her didn't vote as constantly with Donald Trump as she did. But the main point here is that you can't speak ill of President Trump and not have consequences. And that is certainly uh, something that's going to be uh, closely watched by many strategists with regards to the next, next election cycle. What are Republicans going to do with regards to how they are seen? And right now we are fractured, and Liz Cheney certainly is speaking truth, and she's being punished for it. This happened earlier in February, and it was she was giving a pass by, uh, uh, by the speaker, and this time uh, she was not giving a pass. And certainly uh, her ouster certainly tells the world that Donald Trump is still in charge of the Republican Party. Luis, on that same point that you just mentioned, you just said the Republican Party is fractured. Some analysts see this as the beginning of the end of the Republican Party. Do you see it that, see it that way? Can you elaborate on that? So in the Republican uh, uh, convention, uh, usually you get a big a document that's produced that says this is the platform of what the party stands for. In the last convention for Donald Trump, there was a two-page or one-page document that was produced that said, whatever Donald Trump says, that's what we stand for. And that is what uh, Liz Cheney is fighting against, because of us, Republicans who are constitutionalists and feel that we are contributors of a nation and that we are also Americans, just like the Democrats are, you know, we should be able to work together. But there is no sense of 
working together with anybody that disagrees with Donald Trump. And that is the biggest weakest weakness that Republicans have. You know, you notice in the Senate, Mitch McConnell does not engage in these fights. You know, Mitch McConnell does not say that he is uh, uh, a soldier for Donald Trump. But Kevin McCarthy certainly is now telling the world that he cannot survive or the Republican House would not be able to gain seats if he distanced himself from Donald Trump. And that's what Liz, Liz Cheney is doing. She has her own coalition. And the question is going to be, will that coalition be able to grow or will Donald Trump continue to uh, control the GOP with an iron fist? What impact is the infighting within House Republicans and the party as a whole having on Latino Republicans or more moderate voters? Well, it's mostly on messaging, but I would say the biggest impact that we're going to see in the next election cycle is how the donors are being torn apart as well. So uh, obviously money is the milk that feeds the campaigns. And the question is going to be when it comes to going after the Latino vote, how does the donors feel that they're going to be able to build a story that whoever Donald Trump anoints to be candidates for the next election cycle are actually going to represent the interest of the nation, knowingly that Donald Trump is very agitated when it comes to any issues of immigration or things that Latinos in the Southwest, for example, feel. Obviously, we know that the, 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 the Cubanos in Miami are going to be always aligned with Donald Trump, but that doesn't help Republicans in other states in the next election cycle. Now, Republican Senator Lindsey Graham said the loyalty many GOP voters have for Trump is so intense that the party can't succeed without him. Do you agree with those thoughts? To a point, uh, he, he's, what he's saying is, if we don't align ourselves with Donald Trump, we're going to bleed more than what we're bleeding now. But the point is that we're still bleeding. And... We won't be able to build a coalition to uh, face the current administration and put a stop to what is conceived as ultra-progressive policies if the Republicans can't align themselves. And today, this morning, we saw that there are many Republicans that stood with Liz Cheney, even though they knew the process was going to be inevitable. Uh, they let it happen, but there are many Republicans who feel that if we continue this path and allow Donald Trump to be the standing bearer or the ultimate power in the Republican Party, we won't be able to grow the party anymore, giving Democrats complete control of the electorate cycle uh, in the next election. Well, thank you so much for your time, Republican strategist Luis Alvarado. It's always great to have you on the show. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Have a good day. Thank you. Some teens around the country already vaccinated with their first dose as the CDC committee meets today to possibly recommend its use, making shots available nationwide as soon as tomorrow. Lorraine Gassides has the very latest. On Tuesday, the first 12 to 15-year-olds in the United States getting vaccinated against the coronavirus. I'm encouraging all parents to get their children vaccinated. Some parents won't want to be first, but I'm also encouraging children to ask for the vaccine. Most states are waiting for the CDC's recommendation before they start putting shots in the arms of teenagers. That meeting set to happen today. But in states like Pennsylvania and Georgia, health departments already giving the green light. I look forward to having a little bit 
bit more freedom to like do stuff. 12 to 15 year olds account for 5% of the population. That will spread the protection through yet another large segment of the population. Right now, almost 60% of adults have at least one shot, and almost 45% of the population is fully inoculated. At the moment, infections are at their lowest point since September. On Tuesday, the U.S. reporting a total of 684 deaths. The American Academy of Pediatrics reported Tuesday that kids and teens account for nearly a quarter of newly diagnosed coronavirus cases in the U.S. The group reported just over 72,000 new COVID-19 cases among children for the week ending May 6. Meanwhile, as the Biden administration gears up to release new guidance for vaccinated people. The American people have just lost, just lost patience with us. But you guys, I just ask you to just kind of be aware of their frustration and get a little real time into updating these things. Hundreds of people in Los Angeles protesting vaccine passports, saying they would allow the county to favor residents who choose to get vaccinated. And according to the CDC's latest ensemble forecast, deaths, cases, and hospitalizations will continue to decrease significantly during the next four weeks. The president today is expected to give an update on the latest on efforts on vaccination and also possibly new guidance on masking for those vaccinated. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that report. President Biden has lifted a Trump administration ban on aid to undocumented college students. The decision will bring financial relief to thousands of young immigrants pursuing higher education. Janet Rodriguez has more on what comes next. Undocumented U.S. college students, including DACA recipients, will be eligible to receive millions of dollars in emergency financial aid approved during the pandemic. For Angel Palazuelos, the aid will mean less of a burden on his parents. And me too to be thinking that my mom has these payments and limits other things in order to help me, he says. Under the Trump administration, undocumented students could not apply for emergency aid. But the U.S. Department of Education has scrapped this rule. And now all students can benefit from the money regardless of their status. Now it means that I can help my parents with the little I can because they have lost a lot of their finances during the pandemic, she says. The financial aid package approved last March provides almost $40 billion for university and community colleges to help the neediest students. The pandemic did not discriminate against students, and everyone should have the opportunity to have access to funds to help them get back on track. U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona said in a call with reporters. The money can be used to pay for the cost of tuition, food, housing, health insurance, and even childcare for students who have children. Each beneficiary will determine how to use their money. Idalia Quinteros and six members of her family lived on her father's salary for months. Plus, they all got COVID. That was the hardest part, she says. That's where the extra help would have been super good for her. It is estimated that almost half a million college students are undocumented. Reported by Janet Rodriguez in Washington, D.C., U News. More of U News after this short break.
Imagine a daily newscast that speaks to you about your world in plain English. Each weekday, we partner with Hispanic America's most trusted news source to bring you the stories from home and abroad that matter to you. The Senate will turn itself into a courtroom. The private border fence is being installed. A police officer and three people were killed inside a Jewish supermarket in Jersey City. You News covers the news of your world and makes it easy to understand. Your world, your news. You News on Fusion. Welcome back to You News. Now to Colombia, where a new strike is taking place today and new protests being called for, all after a meeting between the National Strike Committee and President Ivan Duque ended without an agreement. Meanwhile, the U.S. State Department is calling for peace. Jorge Hernandez has the latest. These huge lines are to get gas in Cali. This simple act has become a nightmare because there is a massive gasoline shortage and the little that is sold costs a fortune. It takes five to six hours to get gas, very bad gas, and it is very expensive. We've been like this for about a week. Although clashes continue, public order has been returning little by little. The mayor of Cali has been able to remove some of the road blockades around the city. President Van Duque arrived yesterday at noon at the Air Force Base, where he met with some ministers and local authorities. The headlines here are dominated by the death yesterday of Lucas Villa, the young man shot in Pereira on the night of May 5th, adding to the list of fatalities during the national strike. The U.S. State Department said to Univision that it defends peaceful protests, stating that vandalism is an abuse of that right, and regretting the deaths in Colombia during these days of the strike. And we send our condolences to uh, the victims uh, as well as to their families and uh, other uh, loved ones um, all over the world, uh, and of course this includes in Colombia. He also urged the Colombian police to exercise maximum restraint in maintaining public order. Um, we continue to urge the utmost restraint by uh, Colombian, poli Colombian police in maintaining um, public order. Uh, we also call on Colombian authorities to continue to investigate um, reports that have emerged of uh, police excess. Today, a new national day of striking and protesting has been announced. Reported by Jacid Baquero, Jorge Hernandez, U News. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. And join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.